Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And good Wednesday, everybody. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Steve Jones Show. A lot going on today. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Jordan Rodriguez is going to join us in a few moments from the Charlotte Observer. We'll talk about the sale officially going to David Tepper, the Steelers' former minority owner, who now will be the full-time owner of the Carolina Panthers. It's an interesting sale because Tepper did not have a high bid, uh, but it is a safe bid that a lot of people in the NFL were very comfortable with. We'll talk to her about that. Tonight, Game 7, Capitals and Lightning. That will take place in Tampa. The winner gets the Vegas Golden Knights. Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com is going to join us in the next half hour. By the way, we had Kenny Albert on yesterday. Kenny's going to be calling the Stanley Cup Final on Westwood 1. And uh, if you missed Kenny's uh, interview, you can check it out on the Steve Jones Show podcast. But today, Sean uh, Leahy from NBCSports.com is going to join us to talk about tonight's Game 7 between the Lightning and the Caps in Tampa. Then in the next hour of the show, uh, two very interesting guests. We're going to go to East Lansing and talk with Chris Soleri from the Lansing State Journal about the $500 million that has been allocated by the Michigan State Board of Trustees to uh, pay victims of Larry Nasser. Uh, $425 million will go to the 332 uh, known uh, individuals uh, that have come forward so far. There's another $75 million in reserve for anybody else that may come forward along the way that has not come forward yet. Well, where's the money going to co- come from? What kind of bind does this put Michigan State into financially? We're going to talk about that with Chris Soleri in the next hour. And then we're going to close out the show with Mark Wogenrich from the Allentown Morning Call. Mark had a long talk with Matt Millen. And, in fact, uh, you've seen a lot of stories about how Matt is, that Matt needs a heart transplant. It was actually Mark that broke the story. Now, obviously, we've talked about it here on the show uh, before, because obviously I've had a lot of contact with Matt along the way. Uh, you know, we had breakfast before the Maryland game. I talked to him a lot at the Blue White game when he was there to do that. But Mark's the one that put the story together. He's the one that broke the story for everybody, and that's why everybody's aware of it because of the great job that Mark did uh, putting the story out there. We'll talk with Mark Wogenrich in the final half hour of the show about that. So we have a lot going on today on the show. Uh, Jordan Rodrigue on the Panthers sale and the implications. Game 7 tonight, Caps and Lightning. Sean Leahy, $500 million allocated by Michigan State to victims of Larry Nasser, Chris Soleri, and Matt Millen's situation with Mark Wogenrich in the final half hour. So very active today on the show. Uh, last night, the Houston Rockets took out the Golden State Warriors. 
The Warriors could not shoot in the fourth quarter. Warriors had an awesome third quarter, but could not hit anything in the fourth quarter. And let's give Houston credit. After losing at home in game one and then getting blown out in game three, they won last night 95 to 92. And now they've got home court advantage back. Tonight, the Cavs will take on the Celtics in the pivotal fifth game of that series. And, uh, of course, Major League Baseball, a lot going on there as well, including the Phillies will take on the Braves to uh, close out that series. Uh, the Braves, uh, game-and-a-half lead, beat the Phils 3-1 to last night. Meanwhile, the Reds beat the Pirates 7-2 to last night. So that gets you up to date on everything that is happening in uh, sports, at least to this moment. And uh, tonight... After this show is over, it's off to Scranton for me, and uh, James Franklin will be the feature at uh, the Greater Scranton Penn State uh, Club Dinner tonight, the 40th annual event, and Penn State alumna Sue Thomas is going to be honored there tonight, who's just one of the really great people, and I'm looking forward to being there for that, for Sue's big night, and to hear James Franklin talk to what it's going to be a huge crowd there tonight. There could be almost 1,500 people there tonight. Looking forward to it. All right, coming up, Jordan Rodriguez, Charlotte Observer. Interesting sale to David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Memorial Day weekend coming up. Great time to go out and get a car. Whew. Weather's going to be great, too. Uh, about time. <laughs> we had, some, had rain roll through. I mean, we had heavy thunderstorms roll through here in State College last night. Uh, and same thing with the Valley. Uh, but we're going to brighten up here. We're going to get some nice weather. By the way, the Phillies tonight, 7.05, first pitch, 6.30 the airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, a year ago, there is no one that would have thought that the Carolina Panthers would have been for sale. Jerry Richardson started this team. Uh, he has owned the team. Uh, I think he had, I want to say, 48% of it, I think, in the end, which makes him the majority owner. I think most people thought that he would just pass along to his son, Mark, and then go from there. And then, obviously, some incidents came to light in the uh, Me Too campaign that uh, came to light. And campaign's a bad word, but, um, but suddenly everything came to light. He had to sell the team. Well, in the end, the guy that bought it was David Tepper, one of the minority owners of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The interesting part is it was not the high bid. With that, we go to Charlotte now and bring in a great friend of the show and great to hear her back with us, Jordan Rodriguez of the Charlotte Observer. Jordan, how have you been? It's great to hear you. I'm doing great, Stephen. It's great to hear your voice again. I wish it was coming through my radio here in Charlotte right now. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. All right, big news with with, uh, with Carolina because uh, they finally are making the sale, and David Tepper, the minority owner of the Steelers, is going to buy them. Uh, but this is not – he did not have the highest bid. What allowed this to be – to have a lower bid get to the front? 
Well, you bring up a great point, Steve, because Ben Navarro, the South Carolinian businessman um, and, and banker, he had the high bid in this process. And there are three main bidders, uh, Alan Kestenbaum also being one of them. And Ben Navarro really wanted this football team. Um, he wanted to keep, you know, he wanted to have the uh, Carolinian kept up as someone who, as Jerry Richardson wanted to make sure that the the heritage and the legacy of the team in North and South Carolina would be kept. Um, ben Navarro felt he was the the best for that job and and had placed the high bid for this team. But David Tepper paid in cash first and foremost. <laughs> Um, he, he's going to fork over 2.2 billion, uh, with the other 75 million um, on the way. <laughs> so it, the, the fact, first of all, that it's, it's such an easy, uh, easy, obviously being a relative word in this case, um, an easy transaction for him. And then he was already kind of in the the country club. He was already in the boys club of these NFL owners. Um, David Tepper, being a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers for quite some time already was in this uh, sort of dynamic with, with a lot of other owners, including those on the finance committee, um, who know him. And they already vet that he went through the vetting process, his finances went through the vetting process back when he was approved as a Steelers minority owner. So the fact that it was easier for this transaction to take place, um, it was also easy for the the rest of the league to kind of postulate approval next week in, in, at the league meetings in Atlanta um, based on the fact that they already knew him. Essentially, the majority of owners got their guy, got the guy that they wanted, despite that not being the high bid. And, you know, we, we have to postulate a little bit in here in Charlotte about the results of the NFL investigation into Jerry Richardson and, and imagine that because this process got wrapped up so quickly, Something that Jerry Richardson might have been looking forward to was the fact that getting a new guy in place so quickly um, will definitely have an impact on the the speed at which this uh, investigation is wrapped up. Right, no, exactly. But the Richardson family wanted two point six billion. They wanted somebody with Carolina roots, and they went over two uh, in all of this. But above all, has David Tepper already assured everybody in Charlotte that there is no way on the planet he is moving this team? Well, we know that um, through our reporting. Uh, we know for certain that he will not be moving the Carolina Panthers out of Charlotte. Um, however, assuring the the rest of the public is going to be a part of this man's public relations process as it unfolds over the next several months. Because the sale isn't official until July, based on um, Congress and governmental groups ensuring that U.S. commerce isn't affected by this massive amount of money suddenly moving, um, the sale has to wait until July to be approved. So he can't really have an official press conference or anything like that. But what I would expect from David Tepper is a lot of public presence in Charlotte. I would expect him to be really forward-facing to media groups, um, our, ourselves included. And I would expect him to really kind of put a consistent message out there of what he is all about, what he will mean to um, the organization as well as the, the the NFL in general, and some assurances to the the people in the Carolinas who, despite you know common sense saying that Charlotte is a uh, blossoming city and there's a lot of potential for increased revenue year over year for a franchise in the city. You know, sometimes fans' fear kind of takes takes a hold, and and there are uh, some people that are kind of worried about 
the team moving. But, I mean, I can assure people that the team won't move. David Tepper will likely come out and assure people that the team won't move. Um, But his rollout plan will be interesting. Well, I think everyone down there will find he's very, very outgoing. He is very, and, and he's, and he likes being in front of people. Uh, but the part that gets me above all, the dude paid cash. <laughs> I'm sorry. I other, other, other investors. Uh, see, that was part of the Navarro thing too, if I recall correctly, Jordan, was that, that it's more complicated with him because, first of all, there's some questions about him. But number two, we also had multiple investors with him. And Tepper's looking around going, what are investors? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a real power move. So the, the thing that is really kind of brilliant about what David Tepper did was not only did he pay cash, which is going to really, first of all, endear him to a lot of people who kind of just respect the move of that. And... um I think that it also is a power move, even when the New York Times was reporting that he was going to bow out because he didn't have the high bid and because Navarro was clearly the front runner in the race as early as a couple of weeks ago, um, he kind of just waited and bided his time and he didn't budge. He And, you know, the uh, NFL GMs have this really cliche saying where they say, you know, we just let the board fall to us. We let the board fall to us. And that's kind of what David Tepper did when he was waiting out this bidding process is he had his number, he set the number, he was, you know, everyone was aware of, of where he was coming from, and he just kind of bided his time and let the other owners and other parties kind of wheel and deal all around him as he uh, stood his ground on a firm number, and he's the one that is still standing at the end of this. All right, sometimes when you're outside of a market and you hear something, you're really surprised by it until you talk to somebody inside the market and they say, no, we've, we've heard rumblings of this. So from the outside looking in, there was uh, like Jerry Richardson has trouble. So from the inside or at least closer to it, uh, were you surprised that suddenly Richardson had trouble? Well, I think so. You know, I got here October of 2016 and by that point, he had been he had retreated very far into private life, and that that always struck me as strange. I think that um, you know if somebody is that much of a figurehead in the community, to never see them was something worth posing questions about. And it took a long time of kind of poking around and asking questions to kind of hear some of the things that um, people did have questions about, and then therefore started to investigate. So I personally, you know, I've met Mr. Richardson once. And so, and it, you know, it was a request for comment and it did not go well. So <laughs> I think that um, it's one of those things where as a skeptic and somebody who is realistic about the way this industry works and the types of things that happen um, to, to hear that an owner allegedly is having some issues with misconduct in the workplace um, you know, that kind of thing happens in every industry in the country. And so I think that a deeper look might be required of some of these other teams, um, as we see somewhat starting to happen in the NBA as well. Um, and, and real questions need to be asked about the way that people in the workplace are allowed to report such things or the questions that are being asked of people in power. Jordan, where are the Carolina Panthers right now, in your opinion? And this you know, off the Super Bowl uh, appearance, there's been a rebuild. Where are they in the rebuild? Well, this team is looking really solid. This roster, <clears throat> excuse me, 
on paper, this roster is built to win. Uh, I have some concerns about the secondary in terms of, um, you know, kind of getting rid of a couple pieces in free agency. Kurt Coleman, the safety, is gone, um, replaced by Denoris Searcy and by third-round draft pick Rashawn Galden, who I still – Jerry's still kind of out on, on his ability um, as he's just now kind of settling in as a rookie. And they traded away Daryl Worley, as you guys know, all right. too well over there in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. And so I think that I do have some concerns about where the secondary is when they go against um, NFC South quarterbacks six times a year, the franchise quarterbacks, they all have cannon arms. They all have big, strong, fast receivers. They have big tight ends. They have pass catching running backs. So I do worry a little bit on their behalf for um, what the status of the secondary will be. But other than that, this team on paper looks like it's built to make a deep playoff run. And I've been saying here, you know, I know it's too early for all the takes to come out, but I think this people can be really excited about where this football team is headed. Absolute pleasure, Jordan. It's great to hear you again. I hope everything is going well for you. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Jordan Rodriguez, Charlotte Observer. Great to have her on the show. And uh, that's how it played out with the Carolina Panthers. They officially approved the sale to David Tepper yesterday for about $2.275 billion. Again, the guy paid cash. Really? It must be nice to be able to do that. That must be a great thrill to be able to do that. Next half hour, Caps and Lightning, Game 7, Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Final winner gets Vegas. Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com is going to join us in the next half hour. Still to come, Chris Soleri, Lansing State Journal, and Mark Wogenrich from the Allentown Morning Call as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. Our thanks to Jordan Rodriguez, Charlotte Observer, who joined us for the previous half hour. Still to come in this half hour, Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com will preview tonight's Game 7 between the Lightning and the Washington Capitals. Uh, Sean with NBCSports.com. The winner will get the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final. If Tampa Bay wins, Game 1 is in Tampa. 
if Washington wins, game one is in Vegas. Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com in just a few moments. Our thanks to Jordan Rodriguez, who joined us in the previous half hour from the Charlotte Observer as we talked about the NFL and also about the sale of the Carolina Panthers to David Tepper, the former Steelers minority owner. Still to come in the next half hour, Chris Soleri from the Lansing State Journal. We will go through the uh, $500 million settlement number that the Board of Trustees at Michigan State put together for victims of Larry Nassar. We'll talk about that and how are they going to come up with the money. And then Mark Wogenrich in the final half hour on Matt Millen. Mark, of course, from the Allentown Morning Call. Kim Jones will be joining us on the show from NFL Network coming up on Friday. Phillies last night lost to the Braves uh, 3-1. to one. Uh, the third and final game of the series is coming up tonight. Jake Arrieta will get the ball tonight for the Phils. Three and two record, great two point eight two ERA. I think Arietta's about everything. I think they uh, people would have thought he would have been for the Phils. He's been terrific for them. Game and a half back of the Braves after that loss last night. You'll hear it at seven oh five this evening, six thirty the airtime on News Radio ten seventy WKOK and on WKOK.com. Also Celtics and Cavs tonight, pivotal fifth game of their series coming up tonight at TD Garden with that series tied at two games apiece. The Celtics, who are now 1-6 and six on the road, but don't forget they are 9-0 and oh at home in the playoffs this season. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for This Day in Sports History. Then Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com. 1876, Boston's Joe Borden pitched the first no-hitter in the history of the National League. Did it for the Boston... Guess they would have been the Braves, I guess, back then. Gene Tunney, nineteen twenty-two, defeated Harry Greb. It was Tunney's only. It was defeated by Harry Greb. Gene Tunney was defeated by Harry Greb in the state. Nineteen twenty-two It was Tunney's only professional boxing defeat. Remember, Tunney was the one that beat Jack Dempsey. Nineteen twenty-six, Hack Wilson became the first player to hit a home run off the Wrigley Field scoreboard. 1948, Joe DiMaggio hit three consecutive home runs. 1962, the NBA agreed to transfer the Philadelphia Warriors to San Francisco. The team became the San Francisco Warriors. They are now the Golden State Warriors. Now, when they went from Philadelphia to San Francisco, that meant they also brought with them Wilt Chamberlain. So Chamberlain actually then went with the Warriors to San Francisco and then was dealt back to the then uh, to the Philadelphia 76ers. You're saying, well, no, they had an expansion team, the Sixers. No, the Sixers were actually the Syracuse Nationals. There were Dolph Shays shooting, shooting set shots. He was with the Syracuse Nationals. So the current Philadelphia 76ers were the Syracuse Nationals. The current Golden State Warriors were the Philadelphia Warriors. Do you have it all straight now? And by the way, the Warriors, who lost last night to Houston 95-92, are playing in Oakland. But next year, they move into their new arena in San Francisco. There will be a quiz in the final half hour of the show. Be prepared. 1962, Joe Pepitone of the Yankees hit two home runs in one inning. 1963, NBC purchased the 1963 AFL Championship game TV rights for $926,000.
You can't even get a 30-second commercial to the Super Bowl for that number today. And by the way, that 63 AFC championship game was intriguing, too. Uh, that was... Uh, that was the San Diego Chargers blowing out the Boston Patriots. My late friend, he was my attorney, but I mean, exponentially more friend than ever attorney. Bob Meitinger played in that game. He he uh, always used to show me his 1963 AFL championship ring. 1978, the American League approved the transfer of the Red Sox for $15 million to Gene Yawkey. Tom Yawkey, of course, her husband, had passed away in 76. She had been running the team, and the Yawkey Trust then ran it after that. 1984, the Tigers won their 16th consecutive road game. That tied an American League record. Uh, 1991, the Yankees played their fourth straight extra inning game. And in 1991 in Kansas City, a tragedy on this day, Owen Hart uh, passed away when he fell 90 feet. They were trying to lower him into a WWF wrestling ring. He was only 33 years old at the time. All right, Cavs, Celtics tonight, TD Garden. And also tonight, Game 7, with the opportunity to go to the Stanley Cup Final on the line tonight. The winner gets the Vegas Golden Knights. Tampa Bay at home taking on the Washington Capitals. With that, we bring in Sean Leahy from NBCSports.com. First time we've had him on the show. Sean, welcome. It's really great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Love the uh, three stars you picked out of last night's game. I thought they were spot on. Holtby won. The best one was Devontae Smith-Pelly. Uh, <laughs> he made the point right away. He took out two players on one play behind the Tampa net. Uh, you watched that last night. Uh, Washington seemed to play like a team that knew that they absolutely had to win or it was done. Yeah, I mean, before the game, the, the Tampa Bay players and their head coach, John Cooper, they knew they were going to get a, what they called a desperate capital team. Look, their season was on the line. They needed to win. And they came out with what I think might have been the most complete game, not just of the playoffs, but of the entire season. Great defense. Braden Holpe was fantastic. Uh, uh, also prevented uh, the Lightning from getting some really great opportunities. They got a couple, but really prevented with the offense that they, they have. Really, you know, contained their big weapons there in Stamkos and Kucherov. Uh, and obviously the offensive goal, you know, the off- offensive game. They got power play goal, T.J. Oshie, and obviously Smith-Pelly uh, hitting guys, scoring the big second goal. Then Ovi, uh, he was just like a man on a mission. He didn't get, a, he didn't score, he didn't get an assist, but he was hitting guys, firing off shots. Um, and that was certainly a team that knew their season was on the line and certainly wasn't going to waste uh, this opportunity of finally getting beyond the second round and, and having a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. Nicholas Backstrom is a player that against the Penguins was hurt, so he missed a couple of games. But even when he came back, he seemed like a shell of himself. What are you seeing from Nicholas Backstrom, Backstrom now? He's, I mean, he's not 100% obviously. I mean, if you look at the high-fives guys along the boards, he's using his opposite hand, not the one that's hurt. Uh, but he's still... Strong in the face-off circle, which is kind of surprising considering it is a hand injury. Uh, but, look, he, he set up two, two goals last night. He's still a talented player even when he's not 100%. So the fact that he's back in their lineup, even though Lars Eller did a great job subbing in for him when he uh, went back and missed those games, put action in there, putting Lars Eller back at the third center of the spot, gets a normal. Um, and it, it, Barry Trust pretty much said at, at a certain point it was up to Backstrom whether he wanted to go back into the lineup, and he feels 100% or if he feels close to 100% he can contribute, and certainly he doesn't look like he's hurting the Capitals in any way. 
Sometimes when you don't win, you forget about the effort of a, of a guy on the losing team. What did you think of Andre Vasilevsky last night? You know, he the goaltending in the series from both guys has just been outstanding. And Vasilevsky did everything he could to give the, the Lightning a chance to score. Uh, I guess he was phenomenal. Made a couple of great saves. And Rob, uh, made that, that big save right on the goal line. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's just a hard luck loss, right? The goalie does all he could, but the offense just couldn't find a way to beat Braden Holpe because the ideal in the rink was fantastic. So they're going to need another performance from him, just like the Capitals are going to need another big performance from Holpe in Game 7 Wednesday night. All right, so let's get to Game 7. Um, you know, the winner goes to face Vegas in the Stanley Cup. Either Tampa Bay is going to host it or Vegas will host it, depending on the outcome. Let's take Tampa Bay first. What do they need to do, Sean? Well, they're going to need, their, I think, their secondary scoring to step up. Last night, Stamkos, Kucherov, you know, the big, big man guys were, were kind of held in check a little bit, even though they've, they've really stepped up in this series. But they're going to need those brain points, the Andre Pollock, Tyler Johnson, Alex Korn, guys who helped carry them to this point in the playoffs. They're going to need to, to step up and contribute because you know Stamkos and uh, Kucherov are, are going to be have a lot of extra attention as usual. Uh, in Game 7 concerned how dangerous they're going to be. They also, if they could get some penalties uh, and, and draw some penalties from the Caps to get on the power play, their power play has been lethal uh, this entire season, and it showed earlier in the series that Stan Close has four power play goals. So if they could do those things, they'll be fine. They were kind of living off the power play early in the series and helped get them back in. Um, and obviously another strong effort from Vasilevsky, which I don't think that's something that they got to you know have to worry about because he's been fantastic all series. What is now the path to success for Washington? I think have the same mindset. They're going to obviously know tomorrow could be the last game of their their season, and this could be this is an opportunity getting past the second round, kind of slaying the the, the Penguins demons that uh, they have haunted them for so many years. This is their opportunity finally get to the Snagger final for the first time in 20 years. Um, if they could have the same effort, uh, obviously hope he's going to be just like uh, Vasilevsky was, uh, but they need not guys not just action. And no, Ovechkin stopping up. They need Smith Kelly, like he did last night, scoring. They, they need TJ Oshie continuing to score. Um, it, it, strong defense, kind of getting sticks in those passing lanes, disrupting shots because there's so many weapons on the Lightning offense that uh, they have so many options to score that they got to worry about. Um, if they could just kind of disrupt those shots, get in the lanes, block some shots, uh, kind of really make it hard so that the Lightning don't get those great eight chances, they, they should have a, a very good shot at you know taking Game Seven and moving on. What do you think of the Vegas story? It's great. It's it, how, how could you not love it? This is a team that over the course of 82 regular season games, 15 playoff games, and now playing for the Stanley Cup in their first season, it's it's phenomenal. I know some people want to call it a Cinderella story, and I guess it kind of is, but this isn't like uh, March Madness where you got a you know a, a George Mason can win four, five, six games and go deep in the tournament. This is over eight months, and uh, Vegas could have easily sank early in the year when they lost Mark Mark Andre Fleury for two months with a concussion, and they were pulling backup goalies pretty much off the streets, and they still stayed above water still played great and other than flurry there, there really is no name elite player on that roster there are some very good players and they're just they've just been a very good team very good solid five men when they're out on the ice 
Obviously well put together by GM George McPhee. Obviously well coached by George Lott. Both of those guys are, are going to win GM of the year and, and coach of the year respectively uh, later in, in next month at the NHL Awards. So it, this is just a ride that, that it's not going to stop. And uh, every time someone's doubted them, uh, they've answered the question and, and pushed forward. And I'm really excited to see how they how they fare in the Seneca final against the Capitals or, or the Lightning because uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. But it, it's hard not to think they, they might have the edge going in, especially with all the rest they're going to have uh, with a week off. Uh, what does it do for the market, the fact that there was no waiting time to get a successful team there? What has that done for that market, in your opinion? I think all season long, they've been adding fans. I mean, there's a history of hockey in the city, minor league hockey, uh, but getting an NHL team is obviously a a different animal, and and having success right away, they've been adding fans to that fan base all season long, either just casual fans turning into hardcore fans or just non-hockey fans jumping on board the team, enjoying the, the, the Vegas-type pregame shows that they've, they've had and, and the experience in the arena, T-Mobile Arena. Um, it, this is great for the market. Even if they, I know some people have said, oh, they're, they're winning too soon. Well, look, they're, <laughs> this is great. They're, they're forging a fan base out there. This is a, a great foundation to build on for years to come. And if you look at their salary cap structure going forward, they're 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 set to become uh, you know to continue to be contenders for years on end, especially with the amount of salary cap space they're going to have this summer to spend. They add players to make some more shrewd trades uh, this summer heading into next year. So I think uh, they're pretty set, and it's going to be exciting to see what happens beyond the season, whether they whether they win or lose. If you are the prospective ownership group in Seattle, how closely do you need to take a long hard look at as to how Vegas did this? Well, they're, they're, the NHL has already said that Seattle will have the same expansion draft rules that Vegas did a year ago. And, and what George McPhee did so brilliantly was exploit those rules in his favor as far as making those side deals with other GMs as far as saying, hey, I know you can't keep this guy because there's a no-move clause or whatever. Give me this draft pick. Give me this player. I'll select, I won't select this guy. I'll take this guy instead. And, and that's how he helped build the core of that roster, you know, the key guys that have led, led them to where they are. And if I'm Seattle, um, I don't know if I'm going to have the same advantages just because some of these GMs, if they're still in their jobs three years from now, might be a little wary of, of those side deals or maybe have a second thought about giving up a guy. Uh, but certainly uh, Seattle and their ownership spending $650 million, uh, they're definitely going to – I'm sure the expe- expectations have changed a little bit thanks to Vegas. Maybe the, maybe the fan base and the ownership may be expecting some success a little bit earlier than Bill Foley thinking playoffs in three, Stanley Cup in six. Uh, and one last question that deals with the Islanders because you had the story in NBC Sports uh, about Lou Lamarillo going in to be the uh, – GM in charge of what's going on with the Islanders, who are going back to Long Island, by the way, getting out of out of Brooklyn. A few years ago, Sean, they looked like a, a franchise on the rise, and they hit some plateau. In your opinion, what can Lou Lamarillo, an experienced hand, mean for them? I, I think a different way of operating, certainly a, a little more... Some some shooter moves. I mean, he's certainly he was an old school guy, obviously, and his his final years in Jersey weren't fantastic as far as you know building that team. And in, in Toronto, he certainly got a lot of help when they won the uh, the draft lottery. Where Matthews number one, that you know, in getting some younger players there. And the, the Islanders, I don't think they're that far away from being a playoff team again. They have some great pieces. Obviously, if they can sign John Tavares this summer, which is the, the, the biggest question of all. That will go. That will help 
help them big time. They already have Anders Lee, who had a great year, Josh Bailey, Matt Barzell is going to win Rookie of the Year, Jordan Everly as well. Um, they just got to, the, what hindered them this year was their blue line guys getting hurt, and, was, and their goaltending really sunk them. They had a, a decent first half, and the second half, the wheels fell apart. So there's a lot of work to do there, but it, it's not out of the question um, if, if New is going to take over the role of GM, keep Snow as GM, or bring in a new guy. They're not that far away. They're going to have some cap space to play with. Um, they made a great move last year, getting Jordan Abley for Ryan Strom, so that helped. So they're just—I think—they're a couple moves away, a couple tweaks in there uh, from being back to playoff status. So the big question is, you know, what's going to happen in goal? How? They, what are they going to do there? And if their blue line can stay healthy next year, you know, they should be on that bubble in the Eastern Conference. And re-signing John Tavares. That's the, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's, that's the yeah, biggest question. That's the what, biggest one. If he's going to go to market. Yeah, if yeah. they can do that, that'll go a long way, not just for helping the fan base, but also potentially even luring free agents back to, uh, to Long Island. Sean, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. You got it. Any time. Sean Leahy, NBCSports.com. Great to have him with us. Uh, tonight, the Capitals will take on the Lightning, and the winner gets the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final. Again, if Tampa wins, Game 1 between Vegas and Tampa will be in Tampa. But if Washington wins tonight, Las Vegas will end up hosting Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. The Vegas Golden Knights, the greatest story in sports this year. Uh, let's see. Cavaliers and Celtics tonight. And again, the series tied at two apiece. Home teams have won all the games in this series, as opposed to the Western Final, where Golden State and Houston split in Houston and now split in Oakland. Well, tonight the Celtics will take on the Cavaliers. Celtics look terrific terrific in the first two games. Cavaliers look terrific in the last two games. It's about as simple as it gets. And they will play tonight. Mentioned uh, after the show, it's off to Scranton this evening. Uh, it's an event that starts at two th- at uh, seven thirty tonight. James Franklin will be on hand. This is not part of the caravan. This is something that was separate that was put together. Greater Scranton chapter. This is the fortieth annual dinner they've had. The fortieth. This is the nineteenth straight one that I've done up there, and I'm looking forward to being there tonight to hear what James has to say uh, to everyone and. It's it's really a great event, and it's going to be packed this evening. Uh, I've done, of the 19, I think I did two of them where Joe was there, one where Bill O'Brien was there, and one where James was there. So this will be the second time James has done it. Maybe three times Joe was up there. I think Joe was up there three times when I was with him. And when the head coach is there, when I mean they pack the place, they shoehorn people into the place. That'll be coming up uh, this evening. But that'll start at 7.30. That's not until after the show. So so as soon as we get 5 o'clock here, uh, the, the, uh, the accelerator will be hit and gone uh, <laughs> to get out of here. Coming up next half hour, uh, I think it's really, the next hour is really a lot of, uh, really interesting, really interesting, intriguing. Mark Wogenridge, final half hour on Matt Millen, and Chris Soleri, Lansing State Journal on the Michigan State Settlements, all brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Keywoods 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf, on News Radio 1070 WKOK.